With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Friday the 13th of August. We are brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access anything you're geo-blocked from, also keeps your data safe. So check out LibertyShield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do be sure to check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops on Etsy. Whole new line of Jurgen Klopp memorabilia on the Anfield Index shop. Lots of Man City, Chelsea stuff on the EPL Index shop. There's some Paris Saint-Germain related stuff to celebrate the signing of Messi as well. So do check those out when you get a chance. Just download the Etsy app onto your phone and search EPL Index or Anfield Index. Right, folks. Uh, big breaking news coming out of Liverpool this morning. Virgil van Dijk has agreed a new contract. He was previously due to run out of contract in 2023. That now extended till 2025. So great news for Liverpool. Ilan Melier has signed a new contract at Leeds, which will run until 2026. So big news for Leeds, their goalkeeper locked down long term. Uh, obviously had a very impressive first term in the Premier League last year. So good to see Leeds get him locked down. And it appears that Joe Willock will sign a six-year contract with Newcastle today uh, to complete a £22 million move. So big money for the tune. Good signing. Little bit overpriced, but it is the English tax on players. Uh, good move for him. He obviously did very, very well there last season. So hopefully he could hit the ground running for them. Newcastle have been quiet so far this summer. So hopefully this is the first the first of a couple that get in through the door. A uh, little bit of housekeeping from yesterday. Uh, YNWA Foodie asked me to pick a fantasy Premier League team. So I have done just that. Now, as I said yesterday, my issue with fantasy Premier League is what I tend to do is I pick a team. And for the first few weeks, I'm I'm interested. I'm I'm captivated by it, and then I lose all interest or forget about it, and the team largely stays the same for the whole season without me doing anything to it. So this season, rather than just picking for the first game or the first couple of games, I've just picked a team. Um, I've got Alphonse Ariola in goal uh, from West Ham. I I think he's going to have a good season. They play Newcastle first. It's a, a decent opening game as well. But he had a good season last year with Fulham. I expect him to do really well for West Ham this season, especially if they add 
the central defenders, they're looking to add the likes of Milenkovic, the likes of Kletikar. They can get one or two in there, maybe add one in attack. West Ham will be decent this year. They've got Europa League to contend with, but they'll be all right. A right back, I've got Trent. I'd imagine Trent is one of the most highly picked players in Fantasy Premier League, given the sheer volume of assists that he gets from the right back position. I've got Ezri Konza. Uh, centre-back, I think Villa will be pretty good defensively this year. He had a great year last year, and I expect him to build on that. I went with Mason Holgate. This is one that I'm not sure about, because I don't know if he'll be a starter, but I think Rafa might use him quite a bit. And I think Everton under Benitez will be decent defensively. And then I've got Andreas Christensen as my other def- starting defender. Um, I just think Chelsea will be really good defensively this year. Thomas Tuchel is a very good system. I think he's a good defender. I think he'll start a lot of games for them. So I've got him. Uh, Across midfield, I've got Mo Salah. Again, I think Salah will be one of the most highly selected players in the game. Gets the most or close to the most points every year from what I I understand. So I've got him. Got Bruno Fernandes. He'll, He'll score a ton of goals. He'll get a bunch of assists. I think Bruno's probably a solid pick. Uh, I picked Jaden Sancho because, again, I think he'll get a, a lot of assists, probably get some goals. And I've got Rafinha, uh, who I expect to take a step forward from last year. He had a very impressive first year in the league. I think in year two, he might be very special. Uh, up front, I've got uh, Kelechi Iheanacho. Great second half to last season. Scored in the charity shield. I think he's going to have a good season. And then I've got Ivan Tony as well. Um Scored a ton of goals last year in the Championship. I think he's well-suited to scoring goals in the Premier League. We've seen strikers come up or come into the league and have really good impacts in their first season when defenders don't really know too much about them. I think Ivan Tony will do well this year. Uh, my bench, I've got Alex McCarthy of Southampton. I, I'm guessing he's the number one. It could be Forster, but I'm guessing it'll be McCarthy. I went with Ray Nuri. Of Wolves, I, I really like the signing. I think he'll get a bunch of assists. He could even play some games in midfield, which will help him build up assists and, and potentially goals, and you get credited for them as a defender. Um, I picked Eves Basima. I don't really know why. I just had to have some sort of defensive midfielder in the squad or my brain was going to break. And Chucho Hernandez of Watford. Um, I think he'll be a bit of a wild card in the league as well this year because, again, not many people will know much about him. He's... Been owned by Watford for a few years, but he's been out on loan. So he's a new player to the Premier League, and I think he could have a bit of an impact. So that's the team that I went with. Um, Let me know what you think on the Discord. I think it's pretty good. Uh, For something that I did in 15 minutes, I think it's not bad. Um, Right. I am joined, as always, on a Friday before a Premier League weekend by Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you, son? Hello. Apart from... I'm good, apart from waking up early to do an earlier podcast to talk about the Van Dyke news with you. Or recording yes. you talk about it, I should say. Yes, Liverpool most unthoughtful in their announcement of the Van Dyke news. Um, ridiculously early, 10am or whatever time exactly. it was. Um, we, we like these things at about 2 in the afternoon, Liverpool. If you, if you could do that for us in future, uh, that would be ideal. Um, we've got 10 Premier League games this weekend, Guy. Uh, starting tonight... So let's run through the first five before we take our break and uh, and see what we think. 
Yep, so first off we have Arsenal travelling to Brentford, the newly promoted Brentford. Um, bit of an un- unknown to me. Have you done any research on them? I've done a bit. I know a couple of the players. I think it's a a pretty good squad that Brentford have. Um, I would have liked to have seen them add a bit more. So far, only really uh, three signings of no. Christopher Ayer arrived from Celtic. He's a good centre-back who'd stagnated a bit in his development, but good rangy ball player. You've got Frank Onyeka, the defensive midfielder, coming in from Mitteland. Really good ball winner, really hard-working. He'll offer some protection to that back four. And Johan Wiesa, the uh, left winger or, or forward player, coming in from Lorient. Eight and a half million. Tricky player, decent pace, has goals in him. I still think they need a bit more. And going into this weekend, they're without Josh De Silva and Matthias Jensen, both of whom were likely to be starters in central midfield. So that's a big blow. But I like what they've done so far. I think there's plenty of talent in the team. I don't like the goalkeeper. I don't like David Rea. Not a big fan. But they've got Rico Henry at left back. Ethan Pinnock at centre back. I like both of those. Pontus Janssen's probably a little bit past his best. But he is a solid defender. Whether he's a Premier League defender or not, we don't yet know. A lot of young defenders in the squad. So it'll be interesting to see if they do call on them. Uh, In midfield... Norgard will be important. Onyek is going to be hugely important straight away with the injuries to Jensen and De Silva. Um, I'd like to see Mads Bidstrup play a fair bit this season. Very, very talented young Danish midfielder that they brought in from Leipzig last summer. And then up front, Ivan Toney's the big threat, but Brian Embuemo should be interesting to see. He took a step back last year, but this previous season, he was very, very impressive. Part of that BMW front line with Ben Rama and Watkins. I think he's the most talented of those three. But last year was a bit of stagnation for him. Maybe a little bit upset at not getting a move like his two mates. But I'm hopeful we see big things from him. Uh, Sergi Canos, former Liverpool player that we know well, he'll be in the mix for an attacking role. Marcus Force will come off the bench. He scored a big goal in the playoffs for them last year. So it's a decent squad. There's a lot of young players. There's not a whole lot of experience. There's, there's no top flight experience here in the Premier League. There's nobody in this squad that has played a major role at the Premier League level. And that can be a little bit concerning. But what they are is well set up that if they go back down, they'll be in a strong position to come back up. What I'm most looking forward to about tonight, though, I'm really looking forward to seeing... This stadium, the Brentford Community Stadium, mm. it's it's small, but it's very, very cool, very well built, very well designed, um, and by all accounts fits very nicely into the surrounding area. The Gunners then are an interesting one because going into the summer, you would have thought, upgrade the goalkeeper, bring back Saliba, bring back Mavroponis, and your centre-backs will be fine. Upgrade it right back and find a better partner for Thomas Partey. And you're probably good at that because you've got a lot of attacking depth. You've got good centre-backs. The other thing they needed was the backup left-back behind Kieran Tierney, who's obviously had some injury problems. They've gotten the backup left-back in uh, Nuno Tavares. That's a good signing. Seven and a half million is good value uh, for a young left-back with that kind of potential. 
They brought in Lakonga. Makes sense considering they loaned out Guendozi. But then they brought in Ben White for 50 million. Now, nothing against Ben White. He is a very talented player. But a 50 million defender, he absolutely is not. He will be 24 in October, and we're yet to see if he can defend at the Premier League level. Last season, defensively, he was a weak point in the Brighton team. He is very good on the ball. He can play in midfield if needed. But I assume Arsenal are going to predominantly play him as a centre-back. And he is going to need to take big steps forward. He's not going to get much help because he's got Bellerin at right back, who's not great defensively. Going into this weekend, Gabriel is ruled out. So he doesn't have the ideal centre-back partner. So it's probably going to be Pablo Mari because Rob Holding's also a doubt. And you're not going to have the protection of Thomas Partey either because he's ruled out. So you're probably going to have maybe Xhaka and Maitland-Niles maybe could be the starting pair in midfield for Arsenal tonight. Apparently Lokonga played well against Spurs the other day, so I was watching Arsenal. He did, TV, yeah. So they said he, he was did, he did look, look impressive. Maybe he gets the start. Maybe he gets an early goal, um, to an opportunity to, to prove himself in the Premier League very early. Could be an interesting one. I, mm. I, I think... I think if both teams were full strength, I'd probably favour Arsenal. They've just got more talent. But with Gabriel missing, with Thomas Partey missing, betting in a new centre-back, a new midfielder, if it's Lakonga, having a goalkeeper who knows you've just spent most of the summer trying to spend a lot of money on somebody else, that's not going to do much for his confidence. Brentford's first home game in the Premier League. I fancy Brentford to get a result here. I don't know if they'll win the game, so I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw. I think Ivan Tony will cause Arsenal problems with his height, his movement and his pace. So I'll go 2-2. And just a quick word on Arteta. Is he probably the manager with the most pressure on him coming into the season? Especially with fans back? I would say Oli might have a bit more, given the outlay that United have had. And the fact that he just got a new deal. So big things are expected from Oli having finished second last year. But Arteta would be running him very, very close. This is his second full year as well. Um, last season we saw signs of regression. No progression. The season before was a season of regression as well. And he, he skated on that one because obviously he took over mid-season. And he did win the FA Cup. But for Arsenal, it is back-to-back seasons of going backwards, and that's a concern. And they've been spending a lot of money. The problem is they've been spending it largely quite poorly. Mm. I worry that this summer they're doing the same. And again, it's not that I've anything against Ben White. I think if you got him for 20, 25 million, you could be quite happy with that deal. But for 50, I mean, for 50 million, in my view, you have to walk in and be top-class defender day one. Well, just look at, That's the, one of my look at the other deals for defenders. Second. Look at the other deals for defenders in the league. Yeah. Like Romero, what, 45, was he? Something like that. 45. Canate, uh, 42. Canate, 35. Now, Canate is the one that's most... Canate and, and Romero are the ones that are most comparable yeah. with Ben White. They're similar age. Varane has different circumstances with the shortened contract and that. So people that have been making that comparison should probably park it, although it it was good value for United. 
But yeah, I mean, Romero was the best defender in Serie A last season, and Spurs have gotten him in for cheaper than Arsenal are paying for Ben White. Canate, uh, huge talent, arguably one of the best young defenders in Europe the season before he got injured. Liverpool got him at a good price. So, yeah, those things are a little bit concerning. White, the other thing with White is he's barely touching six foot. So, with a weak aerial player of Bellerin to his right, I think what we'll see is we'll see a lot of clubs play that long diagonal and test him. Like, I think we'll see Ivan Tony pick up a lot of left-hand side positions today and Brentford pump the ball from the right-hand side and hang it on top of Ben White for Tony to attack. And that's not a strength of Ben White. He is not good in the air at all. Wasn't good at Leeds, wasn't good at, at Brighton when it came to the aerial side. So, yeah, I mean, if if Ben White doesn't work out very quickly, I think Arteta is going to be in major trouble because there's going to be a big hole at centre-back. And at £50 million, when he's mm. your pick, you have to play him. I know what's... My, my thinking here is that Arteta's looked at him as he's my John Stones. He's he's very much a Pep acolyte. I think he's seen what Pep has done with Stones. He's seen how Pep has built his team. And I kind of feel like he's doing the same thing. So he's going to have to sign three more £50 million centre-backs to get the best out of John Stones? To out ben basically. White. <laughs> basically, that's exactly what he's going to have to do. Uh, right, anyhow. Um, what was your score for that one? 2-2. 2-2. So moving on to Saturday, we've got probably the biggest on paper. I mean, we've got Spurs-Man City, but this is a classic rivalry. Man United v Leeds. Now, I think this game would have been much more interesting, but I'm pretty, Leeds have a few injuries. I think Laurent is out here. We saw the massive defensive improvement with, with him in the team. Mm. But United are missing quite a lot of the front line. Rashford's out. Cavani's... Miss, I can't remember the reason, but I'm pretty sure he's missing. Depending if they throw Sancho in straight away as well, it could be a bit of a mix, mix and match up top for them. So this could be a bit of a bit of a mad game. What, what do you make of this one? Yeah, so Sancho was late back to training, obviously because of the Euros, and then he was given a little bit of extra time off just to you know sort out his affairs as he moved to to England. Rashford is out, we know, with the shoulder injury. Um, Jesse Lingard has COVID. Cavani was very late back from the um, Copa America. So you've got those options missing in attack. You've got Dean Henderson ruled out. He's got COVID as well. Rafa Varane, I don't even think is registered yet. I don't think he's uh, Phil yet. Jones. <laughs> I don't even think he, he probably has signed his contract. It's yeah. just they haven't announced it yet anyway. And the deadline to sign him to play tomorrow passed five minutes ago. So Varane won't play in this one. Uh, unsurprisingly, Phil Jones is a doubt. Um, <laughs> Eric Bailly was at the Olympics, so he's not back yet either. Which leads me to wonder, who are United planning to play at centre-back tomorrow next to Harry Maguire? Is I assume it's going to be Lindelof, yeah. but if one of them gets hurt, they've got no backups at all. Um, Alex Tellez is also out with a foot injury. So United are missing a lot. United got very lucky last year with injuries. This summer, this season, they're starting with a minor injury crisis, or could be a major one if players don't get back quickly. 
Uh, for Leeds, you mentioned Loriente. He's out. Um, and Adam Forshaw is still out. He's he's missed two seasons with the hip injury. So we wait and we see on him. But Loriente is a big blow. He he was massive for Leeds last season when it came to their defensive improvement. He made such an impact on the team when he came in. Uh, so that's a big one. But Robin Cock is fit, so you assume they'll go with Cock and Liam Cooper, uh, which is solid enough. I mean, Lorente and Cock will be better, but they'll move forward with what they have for now. Junior Furpo should be fine, and Jamie Shackleton should be fine. So Leeds are in a pretty good position. I was hoping Leeds would do a bit more this summer. Um, Furpo's the only real addition other than Christopher Klassen, the young backup goalkeeper. They kept Jack Harrison on a permanent deal, and then they signed some young players, Miller, McGurk, and Bate, who will be for the the long term, a bit like they did last summer. But they lost Alioski. They lost Pablo Hernandez. They lost Barry Douglas. So you wonder if the squad depth won't be as strong. I think the starting 11 will be better because Firpo's a much better left-back than Alioski. But it might take him a little bit of time to settle in. He doesn't have the same kind of versatility. United, I mean, we know what United have done this summer. They've they've let us all know what they've done. They've signed Sancho. They've signed Varane. They also brought in Tom Heaton on a free and Paul McShane on a free, largely for quota prob- uh, quota issues and, and to play under-23 football. It w- he will probably make the bench for this game. He probably will make the bench for this game, unless they've got a youngster that they want to play instead. But... It's big pressure on United. It really is. Uh, Ollie hasn't won of experienced pressure like he'll experience this season. Because the summer they gave him Maguire and Juan Basaka, they were in the Europa League. No Champions League football. Now they're in the Champions League. He's been given huge backing, which the Glazers don't do when they've got top four. So this is a big show of faith in him. So yeah, like you said earlier, like I said earlier, rather, um, I, I do think Ollie's going to find himself in trouble if they don't start very, very quickly. Now, last year United beat Leeds six-two at Old Trafford. This season, I think the game will be a lot closer, more similar to the game at Elland Road, which ended nil-nil. I think United will win. I I still think they'll have a little bit too much going forward. I think Sancho will play. And I think United will have a little bit too much going forward for Leeds. So I'm going to say United win the game 3-1. Yeah, I think it'll be a good game either way. Um, should be should be a good game, yeah. yeah. Moving on to one that probably won't be a good game. Uh, Burnley v Brighton. Um, probably the two teams who haven't done enough in the transfer window, for differing reasons, you'd presume. Um, but Burnley, just the one signing with Collins, is it? and some random people, and then Brighton still haven't signed a striker, and I'm pretty sure Danny Welbeck's out for this game, so Mopé on his own, as usual. Yeah, so Burnley, we, we we talk about it most seasons now, just don't do enough in the transfer market. There's not enough money given to Dyche for what he needs. And going into this weekend, Dale Stevens is out, Kevin Long is out, neither of them are, are big blows Long would be the you know a bit of depth at centre back. Um, Matty Lawton should be back after a bout of COVID, 
So fingers crossed he's able to start because their other option at right back is Phil Bardsley, I'd imagine, who is 37 now, I think he is. Um, Nathan Collins, the only notable summer signing. They did add Wayne Hennessy as a as a depth option at goalkeeper and Jacob Badeau as a young centre-back. Um, he'd previously been very, very highly regarded when he was at Scunthorpe. No, he was at Bury. He went to Villa. It didn't go well at all. He ended up at Scunthorpe, and he did quite well there and rebuilt his, his reputation. So they've brought him in, given him an opportunity with the 23 squad. Um, it's a two-year contract at an option of a third year. So he does well. Dice will give him chances. They, they'll they need extra depth at centre-back this year as well. Collins I really like, but I, I would have liked to see them do a lot more. Uh, I, I think they needed a right back. I think they needed potentially a backup left back. Definitely a wide player and probably one up front. Dice has been left short again. Brighton, yeah, their needs were obvious going into the season. They were going to need a striker and a left wing back. With Ben White going, they also need a centre-back. And so far, the only notable signing is um, Wepu from Red Bull Salzburg. Really good defensive midfielder. But we all assumed he was the Eves Basima replacement. Basima's still there. So maybe the two of them will play together. That should form a very strong pairing in midfield. Might free Basuma up to go and play uh, more adventurously as well. But without getting the striker in and without getting in that left wing back, they're going to struggle a bit this season again. And I mentioned the other day, I've got them in my bottom tier um, as a team that could find their way into the championship along with Burnley. And much of the reason with both is just the lack of investment in the squad. Now, Brighton, I do think, are trying to get deals done. Burnley, on the other hand, doesn't seem to be they don't seem to be doing anything at the moment. Mm. Um, heading into this weekend, then Brighton have a, a, a few players out. Danny Welbeck, like you mentioned. Dan Byrne. Kiel Sherpin. The, I think he's the backup keeper. Moses Casado, very, very talented. Another talented midfielder they've got. Along with Mwepo and Basuma, they've got him. And they've, they've got Casado. And they've got um, young Jacob Moder, the young Polish kid. So tons of talent in midfield. But... Casado will be will be out of this game. Uh, Michael Karbownik not expected to be back in time. He's a very talented left back, just not ready to start yet. Tariq Lamptey still ruled out. Now you'll remember that last season he got ruled out for half the year with a hamstring problem. He's still out with that same injury, mm. or it could have been a thigh problem. It's a long, long time with a muscle injury. So you wonder if maybe he didn't tear it off the bone and maybe that's not going to be a more serious issue than, than was made made out to be. Um, the games the games at Burnley, I fancy Burnley to get, a resu- to get the result, to get the win. If it was at Brighton, I'd probably fancy Brighton, but at Burnley, at Turf Moor, with fans back, Chris Wood, it seems, is going to play even though he was at the Olympics. And I just don't see that Brighton have an answer to him. I know Dunk is good in the air. I know Webster's good in the air. But Wood is very, very good in the air. And he's in good form coming off the back of a a successful Olympics for himself individually. 
I'm going to say Burnley win 1-0. Yeah, I can only see it being a tight affair either way. Uh, moving on to Chelsea v the very much new look Crystal Palace. Um, obviously, we saw Chelsea midweek in the Super Cup where it went to extra time and penalties. Is that anything to consider? Maybe a bit more tiredness than other teams? Yeah, I mean, it could be. Um, certainly, we saw some players who will, will start this game. Um, Mendy likely starts. Rudiger likely starts. He played the, the whole 120 minutes. Uh, I don't know if Zuma will start or Chal. I don't. I'd be surprised if Chalaba ever plays five senior league games for Chelsea. Very talented, but I just don't think Chelsea will will give him the opportunities required. Mm. Um, I think Rudiger's the only one of that back three who starts this game, and he might not even. They might just go with Aspilicueta, uh, Christensen, and Silva. Um, I'd expect Hudson Odoi drops out. I would expect Alonso drops out. Reese James and Ben Chilwell probably come in there. Kante played, went off. He should start this game, and I assume Jorginho will start next to him. Um, and then in the front three, Zayic played but got hurt. So Mount likely comes in for him. I think Havertz keeps his spot. And then I assume Werner starts because I don't think Lukaku will be ready to start. So there'll be a there'll be a handful of players who will have had a heavy 120 minutes on their legs, a very competitive game against Villarreal. Uh, thus far, obviously, the only signing of note has been Lukaku, but we wait and see. Chelsea always have more moves up their sleeve. Um, so it's it's likely going to be the same Chelsea team that we saw last year until Lukaku comes into the team. Palace, as you said, they, I mean, they've done quite a bit. Conor Gallagher in on loan from Chelsea. Obviously, you know, he can't play in this game. But Joachim Anderson's a good signing. Guehi's a good signing. Um, I really like Michael Elise. They brought in a couple of other young players. They've really committed to this youth movement. And it's it's nice to see, finally, Crystal Palace looking to the future and looking at what they could become rather than just accepting what they were. Uh, Elise is out of this game. Nathan Ferguson's still out. He's just had nothing but bad luck since joining Crystal Palace. Actually, since before that, when he was at West Brom, he had bad injury luck. And Eberichi Ezi, he's going to be out with the Achilles. So um, between the three of them plus Gallagher, it's it's going to be tight for for Palace in terms of numbers. Zayic is the only one definitely out for Chelsea. But like I said, Lukaku might make the bench. I don't imagine he starts. He might, but I don't think he will. He hasn't trained with them uh, as yet. He probably will train today. Chelsea should have too much for them. At home, European champions on a high, coming in off the Super Cup. Vieira's first game, still trying to figure himself out. I think Chelsea will win the game comfortably enough. I'll go 3-0 to, to Chelsea. Yeah, I think as long as Palace show some development away from being boring, as long as they don't get like battered, I think Palace will see some improvement, hopefully. Um, but last game before we take a quick break, Everton-Southampton. Um, two teams who having multiple problems in pre-season. Everton mm. 
Moyes Keane's deleted everything from his Instagram <laughs> regarding Everton. Uh, James Rodriguez saying on his Twitch channel apparently that he's he's pretty much leaving. I think they're both doing individual training. Not really backed Rafa at all in the transfer window. Uh, and Ralph um, lost two key players. Um, only signed one player, person so far, I think. Mm. Or one person of note. Um, yeah, this will be a strange game, I think. Yeah, I mean, Everton have thrown away good money after bad for the last few years. They finally get a good manager in. I know they had Carlo. They backed Carlo. They get Rafa in, who should get backing, and hasn't had it yet. Um, you look at the signings made. Andros Townsend on a free, Begovic on a free, and Damari Gray for $1.7 million. They're not giving him any money to improve the team. These are all squad players. Um the Moise Keane thing is interesting. I, I'd just keep him. I, I wouldn't care if he's having a tantrum. I, I'd just keep him. You need a backup to Calvert-Lewin. I think he can be that. I think he can also play alongside Calvert-Lewin. So you just force him to stay. Hamas Rodriguez, I couldn't care less about. Let him go. He doesn't show up half the time when he does. He walks around the pitch. Wonderfully talented, but lazy as sin. And doesn't care to be there. He's already said himself. You need to sign because Carlo was there. Now... For Everton this weekend, they've got Calvert-Lewin as a doubt. Branthwaite is, is out. Richarlison's likely to be out because he's at the Olympics. And there's a possibility he plays, but doesn't look likely. Um, Keane, Gabam and, and <clears throat> Andre Gomes all a doubt as well. So their starting eleven is is quite uncertain at the minute. But you mentioned with Southampton, Ings is gone. Ryan Bertrand is gone. Forgot about him. Vestigard <laughs> is gone. That's three starters mm. gone. Um, now the Vestigard deal, I don't think has been confirmed yet, but Ralph Hasenhutl basically confirmed it in his press conference yesterday. They brought in Roman Perrow, uh, the young, or the the young left back from Stad Brest, and Adam Armstrong from Blackburn. Uh, they signed Tino Livramento from Chelsea. Young right back will be a backup to. Kyle Walker-Peters, and they made the Theo Walcott deal permanent. But they haven't gotten better. I mean, Armstrong is a downgrade from Ings in the short term, at least. Perot and Bertrand are about, you know, a push about the same. Um, I think Salisu can step in and fill the Vestigard spot. But at the same time, now that affects your depth. You've got a lack of depth in midfield, a lack of depth up front. You don't know who your first-choice goalkeeper is. Southampton are, I, I think they could be in trouble this year. I, I think Southampton could well go down. And I haven't done my predictions for the season as yet. I'll do them when the transfer window closes. But unless something changes at Southampton, I think they're, they, they could well go down. Um, Everton, even with the problems they have, should have enough to win this game. I'll go with Everton 2-1. Yeah, I think it'll be one of them games. Yeah, I think it'll be tight. It'll be a little bit ugly. But I think Everton will just have a bit too much quality. Uh, we leave it at that, then we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll rattle through the other five games. Right, welcome back. We are halfway through our predictions for this weekend's Premier League games. So I'm joined again by Guy Drinkle and Mr. Drinkle, game number six. 
Uh, and this one looks quite interesting to me. Leicester v Wolves. Obviously, we saw Leicester in the charity shield, not community shield, whatever the hell it's called nowadays. Um, and Wolves seemingly flipping the whole club round, going from quite structured and defensive under Nuno and Lager is apparently very attacking. So how do you think Wolves will settle in against a bit of an injury-ridden Leicester, especially at the back, but it's still Leicester? Yeah, I mean, Leicester, that's the thing with them is they are suffering an injury price at the moment. Johnny Evans is out. James Justin is out. Wesley Fafana is out. Nepalese Mandy is out. Tim Castanier is a doubt. So it is going to be bare bones for Leicester this weekend. They haven't gotten the Vestigar deal across the line, it would seem, uh, in time for him to play. So are we looking at Benkovic and... Chagasayonchu. I'm guessing that's what it is. Move Yeah, they could move Ndidi back and play Bubakar Samari. Amati uh, started as well, Who? Amati. Yeah, Amati could play centre-back. I mean, Benkovic is a natural centre-back and doing putting him in doesn't weaken another area of your team. Mm. But Amati would be another option. Like you say, you could move Ndidi back and bring uh, Samari into midfield. Brendan doesn't seem to like no. him, though, does he? Which is weird, because Brendan went all out to get him on loan at Celtic and had him there for the year and praised him to the moon, and yet hasn't given him a look-in at at Leicester. Um, Wolves have a lot of injuries as well, though. Um, Willie Bolly is out, Johnny Castro's out, Pedro Neto's out, Daniel Pedence is out, Yerson Mosquera's out, Hugo Bueno's out, and Owen Atasawi is out. So, for both clubs, a lot of issues. Now, Wolves have had a quieter summer than normal. Uh, they brought in Trinkio on loan. I do like that one. I love him on the ball. He can be a nightmare off the ball. Uh, they kept Ray and Nuri, who they had last season on loan. I, I really like him. They brought in Yerson Mosquera, who meant to be very, very talented. I really don't like what they did in goal. Um, I really don't like the signing of Jose Sa. Even though there's no doubt Rui Patricio took a step backwards last year and started to decline, Jose Sa's not a good goalkeeper at all. And I think when you look at Leicester and what they've done, like Bertrand's a, a, a good backup left back who may well start this weekend if Castanier's out. Samari I really like in midfield. I think he's got huge potential and they got him for a bargain. And then Pat Sandaka. A lethal goal scorer, potential successor to Vardy in the long term. I really like what they've done. I think they've done excellent business. I'm not a big fan of Estegard. I don't particularly like that deal. I think they could have got a lot better for that money. But I can see the logic in it as well. Um, one of the areas they were weak last year was in the air, and he's great in the air. So that could be a little bit of that. I think Leicester will win this game. I think they'll win it pretty comfortably as well. Um, given the injuries that that Wolves are going to have. Wolves are probably going to play a back four, and Connor Cody will be one of those two centre-backs where he's a liability. You're, you've got no Willie Bolly, You've got no Mascaro. It probably means Max Kilman next to him, who he's okay. He's not great. Do they still have sight? Uh No, I think he left on a free, didn't he? Oh, Romain Sice. 
No, he is still at Wolves. Him and Cody then? Oh, yeah. The Wolves had triggered... Uh, Wolves triggered an automatic extension to his contract right. by making when he made 20 starts in the Premier League. So, yeah, he's got another year. So, maybe it is Roman Sice. Maybe it is Sice and Cody. But, again, that's two midfielders. Yeah. Sice plays centre-back, but he is a midfielder. Um, I think Leicester will win this game. I think they'll have too much firepower. I think they'll exploit the fact that Connor Cody's dog slow and doesn't have good positional sense. I could see Vardy getting a couple here. I think he an actual score. I'm going to say 3-0. Yeah, that doesn't sound too promising for Wolves as well. Uh, moving on to another newly promoted team and another new look team, uh, Watford against Villa. Um, we'll touch on Villa in a sec, but Watford, like we mentioned, Brentford research on them. But is it, is it actually possible to research Watford because they must change like style of play and everything every three months? But is it Zisco their manager now? Um, uh, yeah, Cisco. Yeah, and they have um, like two hundred forwards. <laughs> so I'm not the sure weirdest how club in England. Like, yeah. they they don't operate at all like an English club. They operate more like an Italian club. Uh, just to give you an idea, they've signed twelve players this summer. Okay, um, I could name and two. most of them we, we won't know. Like Quadro Ba is a very talented young player. Came from Rochdale. Had originally meant to go to Man City, and something went wrong. And that fell apart. They signed Matty Pollock from uh, Grimsby. Uh, his dad, Jamie Pollock, is from your neck of the woods. Um, Imran Luza from Nantes is a, a talented player, but inconsistent. Emmanuel Dennis, a talented forward, but inconsistent. Aaron Ben, no idea. Ashley Fletcher from Middlesbrough, he's very much a championship player. Good it's agent. a weird sign. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's a real good agent. Danny Rose will be a solid left-back for them. Josh King will be a decent option in attack. Uh, Dapo Mabude, I've got no idea. They signed him from Rangers. Uh, he's gone on loan already. Vincent Angelini, signed from Celtic, young goalkeeper. James Morris, signed from Southampton, young left-back. He was on a free. Juraj Kuka from Parma, he's like 34. I, I don't see him fitting the pace of the Premier League at all. They loaned in Peter Atubo from Atibo from Stoke. He's a decent player. So they, they brought in 13 players, 12 signings and one loan. They've loaned out 11 players. <laughs> and they've gotten rid 5, 10, 18 players left the club that were at the club last season, including former Liverpool striker Jerome Sinclair. Uh, whose career has not gone the way I think he had hoped it would go when he pushed his way out of Liverpool and went to Watford in 2016. He played a sum total of 12 games for them, uh, 109 games across different loans, only scored 11 goals, one goal in his 12 games for Watford. Uh, fair to say... His career hasn't gone as planned, but he is only 24, so hopefully hopefully he picks on or catches on somewhere. Um he did pretty well at Oxford on loan. Four and sixteen. It's not great, but it's not bad. So hopefully he figures out what he wants to do. Goes to a new club this summer. He's currently unattached. And um he can do all right. But yeah, like loads of players in, loads of players out, loans all over the place. 
This is not how English clubs operate. You've got Cisco as the manager. For how long? Who knows? He only took over in December from Vladimir Ivac, who'd only taken over in the summer and was actually doing really well. You know, he had them in the playoff positions. Um, but Cisco did really well, got them up automatically. You can't fault the job that he did. Uh, won 66% of his games. So, you know, hopefully they stick with him and hopefully they give him a bit of room for error. But just such a bizarre way to run a Premier League club. It's just not, it's not the done thing. But there's talent in the squad, the likes of Ishmael Assar, the likes of João Pedro, Chucho Hernandez. If those three can be thrown together as the front three, they'll be really good. They've got quality in midfield with Chalaba, Will Hughes, their experienced Premier League players. Uh, they've got Tom Cleverley, who, you know, he means Tom Cleverley. I have doubts about their goalkeepers, largely because Ben Foster's quite old, and I'm not a big fan of Daniel Bachman. Um, I like Domingos Quina. Wouldn't be a fan of Dan Gosling or Craig Cathcart. Uh, Andre Gray is still there. Troy Deeney is still there. There'll be a lot of familiar players. There's a lot of experience in the squad, um, a lot of Premier League experience. So they have that at least over Brentford, but... There's a lot of players that you know straight away they can't play in the Premier League. They couldn't play in the Premier League the last time you mm. were in it. They definitely can't play in it now. So I've got some doubts over them. But look, the, the, because they've got so many different options and because they do have talent in attack like Sar, Pedro and, and Chucho Hernandez, Maybe they get enough goals to keep themselves up. But for now, I, I think they're looking a little bit sketchy. Going into this weekend, um, Chalaba is a doubt. Josh King is a doubt. And Joe Pedro's actually ruled out uh, with a knee injury. So that's a bit of a blow. Um, but Domingos Quina and Adam Messina are both back. And Messina's a decent player, actually. I think he's a favourite of our friend Carl Matchett. I'm almost certain Matchett's a big fan of him as a left-back and suggested that we buy him as a backup to Robbo a few years ago. But anyway, uh, that is neither here nor there. For Villa, we know the big news. They sold Jack Grealish, but I, I think they've actually improved their squad. Um, you know, they've made clever signings. They've brought in Buendia, brought in Leon Bailey, brought in Danny Ings, also brought in Ashley Young on a free and then signed a bunch of talented young players from other clubs to boost their academy ranks. They've got one of the best academies in the country. And um, I think a lot of people are expecting big things for them this season. If the three new signings hit the ground running, I think they'll be better off than they were with just Jack Grealish. I think Villa will win this game, even though they're away. Um, tagging this as the Ashley Young slash Graham Taylor derby. Lovely. Um, and I think I think Villa will win the game. I think it'll be fairly close, but I'll go 2-1 Villa. Yeah, just a quick one on Villa. I think Buendia and Bailey are missing. So Oh, you are right. Let me see. We've yeah. got Douglas Louise not yet back. Oh, this this is a yeah, this is fair. <laughs> no, Buendia is expected to be fit. Okay. Bailey's a doubt. Morgan Sanson is out. 
Bertrand Traore is a doubt. Trezeguet is out. Ollie Watkins is a doubt. And Douglas Louise. There's a lot of issues there. Do you know what? I'll go 1 1. There's too many players there. Mm. Too many important players missing for Villa for this one. I'll go 1 1. Yeah, Ings, El Ghazi. I don't even know who else could. Probably the young lads behind then at that point, isn't it? Probably, yeah. I mean, they might, they might, they might, they might just play two up front and try and go with an extra man in midfield. Maybe bring in marvelous Nakamba, the brilliantly named marvelous Nakamba. Nakamba and Wesley the return. (laughs) Wesley's back. They could Uh, throw him up front. Nice (laughs) big target man. Let Ings run off him. That 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 would work a lot better than playing him up front on his own. Um, I'm curious to see though if. If Watkins and Ings both play, I'm curious to see how they play. That's the big question mark for me over Villa is what formation are they going to play? Are they going to play two up front or was Dean Smith spoofing and is he going to play Ollie Watkins in a wider role? Um, if he plays two up front, it could be an interesting pairing. They'll be a nightmare to play against because Ings presses all day and Ollie Watkins was ferocious last season yeah. in closing down centre-back. So, They'll be really hard to play out against them when, if they have Buendia as well. He's a great presser. Leon Bailey less so, but he definitely has the capability to do it. And if that's their front four, you're not going to play through them very easily, especially with Douglas Louise and John McGinn in midfield who cover every single blade of grass. The big weakness for them, obviously, we know is going to be Mings. He's a, he's, you know, he's a liability at centre back, but. For now, he remains the first choice starter next to Ezri Konza. Um, and hopefully, Villa see sense soon on that one. Yeah, I think as long as the new ones settle, I think they'll be quite steady. But anywho, we'll move on to the last Saturday game. And again, newly promoted Norwich against Liverpool, who hopefully now have fit centre backs. Touchwood, there's still training to be done. Um, on Norwich, obviously lost Buendia, um, mm. who was. I think he was he the player was it him or Tony who was player of the season? I think he won player of the season last season over Tony. I would have gone Tony, but it was very, very close between the two of them. Yeah. So that's obviously a huge miss. But they've replaced him with Rashika. Is is Rashika the one you like? Because I think there's two, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Rashika is the one from Werder Bremen um that I do like. They also signed Josh Sargent from Werder Bremen. So I know both of them very well from having watched a lot of them. Um, Rashika is, how can I be nice about this? He's infuriatingly inconsistent. Um, on his day, an absolute match winner and will put the team on his back and carry them. But just as often he will shoot the team out of a game by insisting on shooting from 25, 30 yards because he feels he doesn't have a better option. He's Coutinho Um, from 2015. Basically, yeah, without the creativity side, he, he's he got decent creativity, but he's not Phil level, he's not Emmy Buendia level, but he's more of a goal scorer. Right. Uh, if he does well, he'll be a very, very impressive signing for Norwich. They got him at a bargain price. They they did a great deal for him. I, I, I think he'll fit well in the Premier League. He is very good off the ball as well. Um, they brought in Angus Gunn, who'd been there before. I, I like that. I like adding the depth at goalkeeper, and he's a better keeper than we saw at Southampton. Norwich means more to him as well. His dad is a legend there. He was in the academy. He's from Norwich for, for starters. 
His dad is a legend at the club. He was in the Norwich Academy before City stole him. He's been there on loan before and done very well. So I'm hopeful we see Angus Gunn rediscover his best form uh, being back at Norwich. Because Angus Gunn, if he maxes talent, could well be England number one. He's ridiculously gifted as a goalkeeper. 6'5", great agility, strong in the air, good with his feet, times things well coming off his line. He just lost all confidence at Southampton playing behind a disastrous defence. They brought in Fling Clark, very very talented young player from Peterborough. Kenny Coker from Southend, another talented young player. Made the Giannullis deal permanent. Kept Ben Gibson, who they'd had on loan from Burnley. Lise Malou, Pierre-Louis Malou, he's okay. He's, he's another good option in midfield. Uh, Liam Gibbs, another young player brought from, from Ipswich. So, you know, sign, signings for now and signings for the long term. They're doing what Norwich do, which is building with a, you know, a view on the future. Um, Sargent is the same at 2021. Not a big goal scorer, but runs the channels really well. Harasses centre-backs. Can play best in a two with a goal scorer, either as the line leader or playing just off, dropping in and trying to make things happen behind. And then their latest signing is this Greek uh, Greek youngster, Christos Tsoulis, who's by all accounts the most talented youngster in Greece. They've kept, they've brought in Billy Gilmore as well on loan from Chelsea, and that's a big one because um, he's very, very talented. And he replaces Oliver Skip in midfield, who they had on loan last season. So I do like their business. I, I still think they've, They've got a couple more moves they need to make. They definitely need one more at centre-back. And you'd like one more up front. You'd like another option who can get you a goal or two. Um, For Liverpool, it's it's straightforward. Wijnaldum out, Kanate in. All the rest of the moves that have happened are just fluff because the likes of Grabera, Miller, Grujic, Awani and Wilson were all on loan last season. So none of them contributed anything to Liverpool. And it looks like Shakiri could leave soon. Again, he contributed a little bit last season, but barely played the season before. Big role in 18-19 in helping them win the Champions League, but barely played in the league title winning season. He was Klopp's favourite guy to bring on for like 80 seconds at the end of a game. Um, Liverpool haven't done enough yet. They haven't replaced Wijnaldum. They need to. I don't care what Jurgen Klopp had to say in his press conference today. Liverpool need to replace Ginny Wijnaldum. They need to do it quickly. Uh, Van Dijk is back. That's massive. Absolutely massive. Matip is back and he's looked good in pre-season. And Joe Gomez is back and he's looked good in pre-season. So you would expect that Liverpool have too much for Norwich, even with the doubts over over certain players. Um, Missing for Liverpool will be Curtis Jones, who's got a face injury. Jordan Henderson is a doubt, but he should make the bench. And Andy Robertson is ruled out. Norwich, on the other hand, Sam Byram is out. Todd Cantwell's a doubt. Rashika, Grant Hanley, Onel Hernandez, Jordan Hugel, Bally Mumba, and Primazlaw Placheta all had COVID. So they're all doubts Oof. as they recover. That's horrendous just before the season starts. Lucas Rupp is a doubt with an ankle problem as well. So it could be a very weak Norwich team that Liverpool play. Which is fortunate for Liverpool, very unfortunate for Norwich. Liverpool should have enough anyway. 
I'm going to say 3-0 to the Reds. I, I just think they'll have too much quality for Norwich. Yeah, we should do. We should do regardless of Norwich injuries anyway, to be honest. But strange yeah. things have happened. Uh, moving on to the Sunday games then. First up, Newcastle v West Ham. I'm not sure if Newcastle got Willick over the line in time because sometimes he's get announced later on and it turns out he was registered, but we'll see. Um, but Newcastle, um, very dependent on two players, I think it's fair to say, Alan San Maximum and Callum Wilson. Yeah, yeah, very much so. The team will, will go as they go this season. Willock will help. You would hope that Almiron might step up a level as he's shown flashes of doing in the past. But there's question marks in defence. They've got, you know, some some ropey defenders at centre-back. I like the full-backs they have, um, but I wouldn't be a big fan of any of the centre-backs bar Lescott. And even he's shown signs Les, of decline. Lascelles, not Lescott. <laughs> oh, Lascelles, not Lescott. Lescott was a different one. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of Jolene Lescott. Jamal Lascelles is who I'm thinking of. Um, but yeah, he's shown signs that the injuries are sort of wearing him down a little bit. Um, they've got decent options at right back. I really like Jamal Lewis at left back. They've got three good options in goal: Dubravka, Woodman, and why can't I think of the guy's Darlow. name? Carl Darlow. I think two um, of them yeah. are injured, so Woodman might get a chance. Hopefully, Woodman gets his opportunity this year. So yeah, going into the game, Newcastle are without Dubravka, and Darlow is a doubt. Uh, Elliot Anderson and Paul Dummett out as well so hopefully Woodman gets the chance and does well and keeps the spot because it's been a long time coming for him they haven't done anything in the transfer market yet other than this Joe Willock deal uh, so we'll wait and see if it's done in time it, it hasn't been announced yet anyway but maybe it was signed this morning and he's just taking care of some other bits Um, they haven't lost anyone of note I mean Atsu left Lujan left they're not players that were contributing players. Uh, Yoshiniro Muto left as well, went back to uh, Vissel Kobe in Japan. I think they released him by mutual consent. So basically, he had a couple of years left on his deal. I think he just agreed to walk away from the money and Newcastle were happy enough to see him go. For West Ham, only Craig Dawson in of note as yet, as well as Alphonse Ariola on loan. Ariola's a big upgrade for them in goal, in my view. Uh, Fabian Balbuena and Felipe Anderson have left. Anderson spent last year on loan with Porto, but they've taken a massive loss on that deal. Uh, Balbuena leaving is a positive because he's an absolute train wreck of a centre-back. This weekend, Lanzini is a doubt, Masawak is a doubt, and Ogbonna is a doubt. So Issa Diop and Dawson maybe get the nod at mm. centre-back. Um, Cresswell and... and uh, Sufel as the fullbacks, Rice and Suchek as the holding midfielders, and then maybe it's Bowen, Ben Rama, and Fornals behind Antonio with Ariola in goal. It's a decent team, but there's no depth at all behind it. So that's what they need to do because they've got Europa League this year, and you just can't survive doing Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday if you don't have depth in the league. Up at Newcastle on the opening day, I'm going to say Newcastle have the advantage of having fans back. There'll be a, a good mood around the place with the Willock deal getting done. 
I think Newcastle will get a result here. I think Newcastle will win this game 2-1. Callum Wilson will be a handful and, like you said, sit maximum. I, I think this could be the season where he really starts to put it all together on a consistent basis. And maybe that makes it his last season at Newcastle. Because if he had consistency, mm. he'd be playing for a he'd be playing for a top club. Well what what's his ceiling? I mean, I think <clears throat> on other pods such as Scouted over on AI, I think we've mentioned him as a a wild card signing for for Liverpool. Can mm. he get to that level or is it I'm not I don't want to say level Leicester level, something like that? Yeah, I, I kind of feel like maybe as a, at Liverpool, I think he'd be a really good squad option, like a spark off the bench, bring him in for certain games, play him when, say, Sadio needed a rest or whatever. I don't know that he's got the level to start for a title-challenging team on a regular basis. But for a team that's sort of Europa League and pushing for Champions League, yeah, I think he can start at that level. So, like you said... Um, a Leicester would be would be a good fit for him, and if they were to sell Harvey Barnes, I do think uh, Saint Maximin would be one of the players they'd look at as a potential replacement. Very very talented, mm. even think for Newcastle. A bit different, but yeah, that's the thing. He could he could play off the striker in central areas. They've needed a right winger for years now. See, the problem with him is I'd, I'd like to see him on the right wing because I think yeah. he could simplify his game a little bit more and get more out of him. But I think he'd get frustrated with that and start to wander. I think you, at least if you play him on the left, he's happy enough because he can go inside or outside. True. Um, the thing for him is he is very well settled at Newcastle. Hmm. His wife, his three kids, they all live with him there. Um, he's got... A six-year contract, four years left on it. So you know he's he's tied down for the long term, and he seems very very happy there. So maybe he's not going to push for a move anytime soon. The fans adore him, but we'll wait and see what happens. This season's key. If he kicks on and has a big season, I think definitely he'll get offers. Mm. He'll definitely get offers because he's he's so talented. Like there's absolutely no doubting his. Nobody's ever doubted his ability. Whether he was at Sedetian or Monaco or on loan at Hanover or Bastia, no one doubted his ability. It was only really when he went to Nice that he was able to consistently, you know, turn it on and show people what he could do. Before that, he'd been really, really inconsistent, really frustrating because there'd be flashes of brilliance. Like he picked the ball up, beat two or three men, and then he put the cross into the stands, you know, that kind of thing. Or he'd beat two or three men and take a shot and then go out for a throw-in. At Nice, he mm. really started to figure out how to play as part of a team. And we've seen that at Newcastle. He's become a very good team player and he's upped his work rate. Credit to Steve Bruce. He's gotten buy-in from him. Um, but yeah, I think Newcastle will win this game. I think him and Wilson will cause West Ham a lot of problems. West Ham always have like a bad game in the early part of the season as well. <laughs> always. Always. So I, I think this will be it. Get it out of the way. I, I think they'll fall off from last season regardless mm. because of Europa League and not strengthening. And it was a little bit of a fluke last season as well. If we're all honest, you know, the league was not very good last season. A lot of clubs who should have been better than them didn't perform and they got unusually hot for a, quite a stretch. I don't know that Moyes will be able to repeat the trick. If he does, like he should have won manager of the year last year. 
Mm. He was completely robbed of manager of the year last year. If he if he does the same thing again this year and he doesn't win it, I reckon we start you know holding protests, get planes flying, and all sorts of stuff. You'd say they'd probably need one in each position on the spine, wouldn't you? Centre back, midfield, and striker. Yeah, definitely. They need mm. at least they need a backup for Antonio and potentially someone that can replace him oh, and maybe make Antonio the the backup. Um, you'd like one more in the line behind to fill the Lingard role. And then maybe Ben Rama just sort of rotates with Fornals mm-hmm. and Bowen, and you've, you always have two of those three. You you want someone in there that that's a runner though, someone that plays off ball because a lot of your playmaking is coming from wide areas. They could do with depth in central midfield. They were linked with Alex Kral, the yeah. the Czech Moscow. Republic international at Moscow, yeah. um, but that that hasn't materialised. And yeah, they definitely need at least one at centre back, if not two. I think they need a left back as well, because Masawak is not a full back; he's a wing back or a winger, and he's just he's always injured. Cresswell, he's all right, but you, I'd want better personally. Um, they've got. I think they've still got a lot of work to do. I don't think they'll get it done. By all accounts, they're for sale, or there's talks going on that they're they could be for sale. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens with them. What was your prediction? Uh, 2 1 to the turn. Interesting. I think I went for the same on today, we're sure, actually. Um, so that's definitely West Ham winning. Um, last game of the weekend, and probably the biggest in terms of recent uh, league position stuff Spurs v Man City. Um, obviously, Spurs have had their off field issues taking a year to find a manager and the Harry Kane situation and stuff like that. But Man City. Obviously, we saw the Community Shield last weekend, and mm. that team looked bare because a lot of their players were obviously late coming back or may may not even be back. Um, it is this completely dependent on how many Man C- uh, players are back for Man City? Um, it's tough. Like you look at Spurs, Romero's a doubt, Endembele's a doubt, Sessegnon is out, and Kane is a doubt because he hasn't been training with the team yet. Because he went and strike and then had to quarantine rather than coming back when he was meant to and quarantining during that week and then joining the team for the past week. Um, City, no De Bruyne, no Foden. Liam Delap also out, but he wouldn't have started anyway. But Foden and De Bruyne are massive, especially because now all the pressure's on Jack Grealish. All the creative burden mm. is going to be on Grealish. You know, he's already the £100 million man, the most expensive player in the history of British football. Etc. 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 None of it's his fault, but now all the pressure's on him. As I said a few weeks back, when the, when the deal was done, regardless of who he is, when a player moves for that type of money, they have to immediately be great, or they they will get slaughtered and the club will get slaughtered. We saw when Liverpool signed Van Dijk, people on their knees hoping he was going to flop. Or just not be great straight away. So they could say, oh, Liverpool got ripped off. But he was brilliant, so they couldn't say a word. But Harry Maguire, I mean, Harry Maguire, if he cost 35 to 40 million, which is what he was worth, would have been absolutely fine. You'd look at it and say, that's not a bad signing now. You know, 35 million, he's, he's done really well. But for 80 million, he's been a disappointment. Pogba cost 89 million, hasn't been able to live up to it. And, and you look at, in the history of football, the most expensive transfers, like 
so many of them just don't work out. You know, Neymar is the most expensive. I don't think it's been a failure, but he hasn't won them the Champions League. They would have won the French League without him. So in that regard, it hasn't been a success. Um, Mbappe, same as Neymar, hasn't won them the Champions League. They're about to lose him in a free as well next season if they don't sell him this summer. Coutinho's been a flop at Barca. Joe Felix, Atleti won the league last year, but he's not a first-choice starter for them. They paid $105 million for him, and he's not a first-choice starter. So he's still very young and has plenty of time. But that hasn't been a success yet. I think Griezmann would have to go down as a failure. Uh, Lukaku now comes in. Grealish is sixth. Lukaku is seventh. So we wait and see. Usman Dembele at eight. Failure. Pogba at nine. Failure. Eden Hazard at ten. Failure. Cristiano Ronaldo to Juventus at 11. Has it been a success? I mean, they, they won a couple of league titles, but he was bought to win the Champions League. So while not a success, or sorry, while not a failure, hasn't been a success. Gareth Bale, I think, goes down as a success, even though his performances don't warrant that. He had like two good years at Real. The big man, and the rest has been poor. For it. That's the thing. They won four Champions Leagues, so yeah. you know, uh, even though he individually hasn't been a success, he's brought success and then contributed to success. So that one's fine. Cristiano to Real, absolutely a success. Higuain to Juve, failure. Maguire to United, not a success. Not a failure, but not a success. Lukaku from Everton to United, I think a flop. Sold at a loss after two years. Never really showed anything resembling his best form. Sancho, we wait and see. Uh, Van Dijk runaway success, Suarez runaway success to Barca, Lukaku at Inter runaway success. They made a big profit on him, and he was brilliant. Won them the league. Nicolas Pepe not a success, not a failure. Kind of in the middle at the minute. We'll wait and see. Um, same goes for Kai Havertz and Lucas Hernandez. Kepa very much trending towards failure. Zidane to Real. I mean, you come back twenty years to that one. Um, Angel Di Maria to United, failure. Like, there's the top 30 or so, and at least 15 of them are out-and-out failures. So, lots of pressure on Grealish. And these type of moves, they they often don't work out. There's very few that you look at and say, absolute smashing success. Very few. I would say Cristiano to Real, Virgil to Liverpool. And Suarez to Barca of the top 22-23. And of the top 30, I'd added Lukaku to Inter and Zidane to Real. And that's it. They're the only ones I'd say were an out-and-out smash hit success. So the history of these transfers isn't on Jack Grealish's side. And now you're taking out the main creator in De Bruyne, a secondary creator in Foden. Someone that's somebody has familiarity of playing with as well. So from it from the England time, like, but uh, I don't know. I think a lot of pressure on Grealish. But Spurs have had a horrible summer. Like the circus around trying to get a new manager, ending up with a manager that they didn't want. 
the Kane thing getting turned down by Jules Kunde and Latour Martinez. I know they got a couple of deals across the line. I really like Romero. I think he's a brilliant signing. Galini's all right. I like Brian Gill. I think he's promising. But they haven't done enough. They still have no solution at right back. They're, they're only going to have one good centre-back or one like really good centre-back. You've got question marks in midfield because it doesn't look like Nuno likes Endombele. And you've got the big question mark now over Harry Kane. So I don't know what to make of them. City come in, defending champions. Should be fairly strong, even without Foden and um, De Bruyne. But I think the bigger question marks for them are, what are we going to see from Bernardo Silva and Laporte, both of whom openly want to leave? And Sterling, who's allegedly furious that they tried to ship him to Spurs in a deal for Kane. So, I don't know. I I think this one could be a draw. I'm going to go 2-2. I think it'll be a fun game. I think think this season we're going to see Ruben Diaz really tested at Mm centre-back as well. So, I'm looking forward to that. I want to see what he's really made of. I'll go 2-2 for this one, though. And just before we finish up, Dave, there's been a bit of Arsenal news. Uh, probably might alter your first prediction. Uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang are ill, so they're missing the game. Does that change it for you? Lacazette and Aubameyang. That might suggest COVID. If both of them are ill, that might suggest COVID. Um, that makes it more far more difficult for them to score. They still have Saka, Smith, Rowe. I guess Martinelli might play, though he was at the Olympics. And Ketia could start. No, I'll stick with the draw. I'll stick with the draw. I think it gives Brentford a massive boost, but I'll stick Mm. with the draw. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a safe bet. Uh, And that's it. That's it for the games. That is the game. So I'm going to wrap up then with the gossip. Uh, Manchester City are prepared to pay... 150 million euro to sign Harry Kane. This is from the spoofer with the catchphrase, and he is just chancing his arm and trying to, you know, be first on something with an exclusive. Uh, he basically said they're prepared to pay the money if Spurs change their mind. So their strategy is just to wait. It's a horse crap. Over nonsense. Everton have joined the race to sign Lorenzo Insigne. Yeah, I'm joining the race to sign him as well as the butler. Neither of us are going to sign him. Roma are keen on Tammy Abraham, who doesn't seem convinced by the offer of playing time, the number nine shirt and a four million salary, and would prefer to explore options with Arsenal. We may end up with Lacazette at Roma, Abraham at Arsenal. Again, I don't think it's the best use of Arsenal's money, but I do like Tammy. I think he'd be a good signing. The London club also have an eye on, an eye on Hossam Auer, and it is suggested they would prefer a permanent move for him or Martin Odegaard. Odegaard's, by the looks of things, the top choice. I think Madison's been priced out of the deal. And with Madison priced out of a deal and Yuri Thielemann's priced out of a deal, you have to wonder who or less they're going to sell because they have to sell somebody. They do it every year. They run unsustainably. Their wage bill is 130% of their uh, turnover. That's not how you run a football club. And yet they're tagged as the model club, but that's an issue that they need to address and they likely need to address it by selling someone this summer. Paris Saint-Germain will look to sign Cristiano Ronaldo. 
in the summer of 2022 as a potential replacement for Kylian Mbappe. Ronaldo, Messi and Neymar all together. Imagine the temper tantrums that that Ronaldo and Neymar will have when Messi takes the ball for penalty. Um, Brazil midfielder Philip Coutinho has been linked to return from Liverpool. He is not going back to Liverpool. End of story. Liverpool are also said to be interested in Jeremy Doku. They are interested in him. I don't know if they'll spend the money on him this summer, but um, he's very, very good. Reds boss Jurgen Klopp has said the club do not want more players. That's not what he said. They are misquoting him in the mail. We shouldn't expect any more. Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain are monitoring Antonio Rudiger's contract situation at Chelsea, knowing that he could sign a pre-contract agreement in January. He's not that guy. He's not that level of defender. That's his agent putting out stories the same way Henderson's one did a few weeks ago. Tottenham could make a move for Villarreal's 24-year-old Spain defender, Pau Torres. Pau Torres and, and, and Christian Romero would be an interesting centre-back pairing for sure. Crystal Palace are set to rival Leeds in the pursuit of Huddersfield's 22-year-old midfielder, Lewis O'Brien, talented midfielder, and obviously youth revolution going on at Palace. Ralph Hasenhutl is determined to keep hold of James Ward-Prowse, who is wanted by Aston Villa and Spurs. He's going to have to because he's already lost Vestigard, Bertrand and Ings. He can't lose a fourth starter. Manchester United are willing to let Ivory Coast forward Ahmed Diallo leave on loan this summer. Just bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. Juventus are set to complete a deal for Sassuolo's 23-year-old Italy midfielder, Manuel Locatelli, who Arsenal have been strongly linked with. That's from goal. Pinch of salt, I think, on that one. Um, West Ham have had a £17 million bid for 25-year-old Morocco defender, Naif Aguerd, rejected by Wren. Good defender. £17 million seems pricey for him, though. Leeds could make a renewed effort to sign Ryan Kent from Rangers after the Scottish club's Champions League campaign came to an end. Um, I think they can do better. He's a he's a decent player. I I don't know these Premier League caliber though. I think he's championship caliber at this point. Um, Mikel Arteta remains hopeful of further signings. Arsenal are backing him. He he can't complain that he hasn't been backed when it all goes wrong and he gets sacked. He won't be able to complain that he wasn't backed. Spanish striker Diego Costa is set to resume his career. In Brazil with Atletico Mineiro, having not played since leaving Atletico Madrid in December. It was really interesting that Atletico just bombed him out midway through a season. Uh, he did get his, um, I believe he got his title winning medal though. I'm almost certain that they sent it to him. I, I remember reading somewhere that that he had been sent one. Um Yeah, yeah. Surely he got his. Anyway, Barcelona's 32-year-old Brazil goalkeeper Neto could make a permanent move to Arsenal this summer, though a uh, loan is also possible. He's not very good. He's he, he, As a loan, fine. It'll do you for a year. You go with Leno, you go with him. Next summer, you try and sort it out. But, I mean, they could... Yes, they listed five keepers. That would be better. I mean, what they could do is get him in on loan and then sign Onana... You know, say, say to Ajax, we'll buy him now, you keep him for a year. We'll take him next summer on a free, but you just give him five million or something and he can play for them for a few months, whatever. Um, that's it then. That is the show. 
on Friday the 13th. So don't do anything uh, risky today. Be safe. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you, as always, to Mr. Drinkle. Uh, see you Monday. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.